The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message, they'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old shows uh, as well. Ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Now, uh, they're not here. They're away, sort of, at home because with the situation and the coronavirus and COVID-19 and such, uh, the stations are closed. So uh, all guests have to do their stuff remotely. So a new world that we're living in. Uh, Don and Andy, how are you doing this morning? Pretty I'm good, Scott. Very well, thanks thanks. Very much. So, uh, you know, obviously we're living in, in very unusual times right now. We've seen the stock market uh, pl- uh, pummel. We've seen uh, and plummet. We've seen uh, uh, declarations of emergency and such declared. Uh, give us a sense of what it's like in your world and, 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 and how we hard- sort of have to stay calm through all of this. Whichever wants to start, go ahead. Okay, well... Um yeah, it's, uh, who would have thought that less than a month ago we were hitting all-time highs in the stock market. Things were buzzing along. We heard about this little virus that uh, you know started out in China right at the beginning of January and kind of moved our way around a little bit. And you know, we we heard it was bad, but never would have thought, particularly after going through SARS and a few other things, that you know it may affect the stock market, but not to the extent that we've seen it affect every everybody's life. So with that. We're seeing fear, and of course, with fear and uncertainty comes the uh, dropping of the stock market, and it's dropped um, approximately 30% from its highs right now. And, uh, you know, that's never settling when you're looking at your portfolio, yeah. but it, it is not uncommon either. But uh, this, that's kind of the state of the affairs from the market. On the same token, the, the whole, uh, you know, whether it's the U.S. or Canada or around the world, people are dropping interest rates to try to help the economy. I know uh, our, our prime minister's done some help in terms of, you know, shortening the unemployment so that people could collect unemployment quicker. And they're doing all the things on a political side that they're to help the economy and to keep things rolling. But absolutely, in this period of, you know, uncertainty, the markets are, are very, you know, nervous. And what they do is they drop immediately. Whether it makes sense or not, quite often it's fear-driven. And they usually overshoot the the real impact of it, but until they got some clear answers, they generally do that. What about your thoughts on where interest rates, uh, Andy, do you want to go in and echo that? Go ahead, you go first. Yeah, I guess I was going to add to that, that, um, you know, the, the daily news that we're hearing uh, around the stock market is certainly negative, but also with extreme volatility where we're seeing dramatic swings from one day to the next day. And I think in talking with clients this week, the the thing that sort of echoed back to me was how people were surprised to find that their portfolio wasn't down as much. And, uh, you know, and there, as Don mentioned, with the Dow Jones down 30%, uh, the Toronto stock market down 25% year to date, um, we were looking at uh, various different investment profiles. So in a conservative portfolio, uh, up to an aggressive portfolio, and in this case, a client, one client portfolio was down about 4.6% year-to-date versus the 30% that we're hearing. 
So I think that, that we have to remember that within your investments that uh, the top-line number you're hearing about the stock market doesn't necessarily translate to your own portfolio. So, um, and, and I think the biggest concern that people have is, well, okay, we know we're in this now. How long or will it ever get back? Will it ever come back? And what about, uh, we've seen both the U.S. and Canada lower interest rates to uh, back to unprecedented lows. What are your thoughts on all of that? What are they trying to do? Is it helping? Well, it's, I don't say it's really helping yet because at the same time it doesn't, as opposed to going back to 2009 when there was more of a, a financial crisis, this is, a, you know, a, uh, definitely a, a lot worse from a uh, illness standpoint, and it doesn't necessarily mean by dropping interest rates you're going to affect, you know, the day-to-day living. Whereas before, if it's a financial crisis, dropping interest rates helps immediately, helps credit as long as they're credit. Mm-hmm. And going back to 2008-9, unfortunately in the U.S. they they clamped down on credit, which also only helped made the uh, economy worse. Now Canada, on the other hand, we didn't experience any of that, and we got out of 2008 and 9 quite well. I'm hoping to do the same here because we seem to be on top of it. But uh, um, just, just to kind of echo what Andy was just saying, just because the market is down 25 or 30%, you do have to look at your own portfolio. So if you were 50% in fixed income, you only would have half your funds that are affected by the stock market, and the other half would be affected by, say, the bond market. And the bonds have actually held their own, if, in, if anything, have gone up a little bit. So... Again, your own mix is, is, was set by your financial planner based on your comfort level. And so quite often we're finding most people are somewhere like an 80% equity mix all the way down to, say, a 50% equity mix. And if you're super conservative, you would even have less equities. So, again, um, you know, look at the news and take what you see with a bit of grain of salt only on the basis that your portfolio would definitely be different than just having 100% equities. I think the interest rate, interest lowering of interest rates certainly it's, it's like gives us a bit of a cushion in the sense that everybody's borrowing costs are now down. There's less interest going out on a monthly basis. It takes a bit of the pressure off in terms of anybody who has debt. Uh, and so I think it psychologically helps. Uh, and of course, once the economy begins to come back, and uh, you know our our travel and our entertainment industry is a $9 trillion a year business. And we've definitely, you know, we've lost the first quarter, the rest of this quarter. We've lost the second quarter to that. But as things begin to flatten out and we look to the third and fourth quarter of this year, uh, that business will start to come back. But you can imagine the, just the economic outfall of that in the short term. So as things return to normal, lower interest rates help uh, buoy our, our sense of uh, stability around that. And, uh, and as Don said, too, I think that the government is stepping in with additional support through EI and uh, for our medical services. All of these things are all about staying ahead of the curve and, uh, and making this thing as flat as possible. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, when it comes to opening up your envelope and looking at the value of your portfolio right now, it depends where you are in life. Uh, different for those that are middle age or just starting out compared to those who may be seniors and, and depending on this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you're, if you're looking at an accumulator, you say, okay, well, the uh, markets are down, and what a great opportunity. Um, for those adding monthly, you're buying more units every month with the same amount of dollars. And for those that say, wow, I have a little extra money right now, maybe I should do my tax-free savings account right now, 
we don't know if it's the bottom, but you, we do know it's it's definitely cheaper than where it was three or four weeks ago. So you are getting more bang for your dollar. Uh, but again, for the seniors that are looking, I need an income, cashing in shares of equities is not the best route. And you should look at your fixed income side of your portfolio and then say, okay, I'm going to just stop the equity side. We did the exact same thing in 08, 09, by the way, where yes. you stop taking money out of the out of the equity side and then you start taking it out of the fixed income side and therefore once things recover we then rebalance again and that that turned about be turned out to be very prudent and i think i'll just echo that again because i had a couple of conversations this week so for those people that are retired already and taking an income uh and particularly from your your rifts or a lifetime in a lifetime income fund if your portfolio is 60 percent stocks 40 percent bonds Stop taking the money from this for 60%. Let's right. take it from the 40%. And that and and all clients agree with that. It makes sense. And really, right through until the summer, and then we can reassess it to see if it makes sense to switch back. In fact, actually, there was a few seminars I went to uh, two years ago, and they actually suggested, here's a great time to use your line of credit. Hmm. Now, it seems so counterintuitive to go into debt, but with interest rates being dropped significantly, you can borrow money very inexpensively, and you use that money to live on for, say, six months. And then down the road, you turn it right back off, and you pay back the debt And uh, when things recover. And again, we don't know. That's the, always the, the thing is a crystal ball. How long will this be? And we don't know, but we do know when it does turn the other way, it usually turns quite quickly. And so you'll get a, a very quick snapback. Generally, within the first year, you get most of it back once it starts to turn. Of the last six uh, bear markets we've had in the last 70 years, this will be the seventh now, in, in all but one cases, the market had within 12 months, within one year, had recovered to the previous high. And the only time it happened where it didn't, it took two years, and that was the 2000.com uh, crisis and then the 9-11 crisis, which followed after that. So uh, in, in speaking with our experts, too, the sense is, as, as again, as things as economic uh, activity begins to come back uh, looking into 2021 they are forecasting in a worst case scenario looking at about a nine percent increase in the sense from this year's market and next year's market so a total of 18 percent over the next two years what are you hearing we got about a minute and a half left in this segment what are you hearing from clients at this point what are people's concerns well as I was mentioning earlier I think the concern is is that well you know we're in this now it's dropped to this point, and I think their greatest concern is, will it ever come back, right? Uh, it, it's, yeah, that's fine. We're down. We're living with it. We don't want to look at our statements. You know, we, you know we'll, maybe there's some things we can consider. But uh, just that fear that it's different this time and that for some reason it's not going to come back. And I think the truth is it couldn't be further from the truth in terms of, of, of the future and the recovery. And there's certainly lots of example of that, isn't there? Oh, every every single time, as I mentioned earlier, yeah. the last yeah. the last seven six uh, uh, bear markets. They, in every case, we we returned to the previous high and then extended it beyond that. Yeah, well, as one person said, every every recession, it, they always say it's different this time. And really, there it's it's all ice cream. It's just different flavors. Yeah, it's still good, ice cream. Good point. And uh, and and it really does make sense because if you look at the oh eight oh nine crises, which was financial, made at home basically credit crunch, that one there seemed to have no end in sight, including on March 9th, the actual day of the, re, of the rebound, they still said we don't see the end in sight. That was actually the first day of the, of the rebound. Mm. So 
the, everything does everything does pass, and then we start a new bull market. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Uh, Andy and Don outside the studio today because of uh, Corona virus concerns and everything being shut down, including here at uh, CHML, but trying to keep the show alive and, and uh, get the message out that we need to to get out. So thank you, gentlemen, for uh, for putting up with this and, and doing the best show that we can here. Uh, we're, we're talking about how this has all affect the markets and such. What advice do you have uh, for people that are concerned about this right now? Well, that's a great question. Great question, Scott. And uh, and one of the things for both Don and I is that we were participating on a weekly basis, uh, at a minimum at least once, in in conference calls with our head office. And typically, we're able to get connected in those conference calls with the top money managers in our organization: the head of McKenzie Financial, the head of Pinto, uh, bond the bond trading company, the head of BlackRock. And what comes back to us, and I think this is important for everybody, all listeners, is that you, most clients or most people have what we call professionally managed money, and that's either through a form of a mutual fund or a pooled fund or a pension plan. Uh, And in all cases, what it's important to know is that your money is never sleeping. the, The people that are smart people are behind the scenes on a daily basis trying to understand, A, how to preserve capital to protect what we've got, and at the same time, take advantage of opportunities as they arise. And uh, so they've been able to share some of the stories with us, some of the things that are going on behind the scenes. And for example, like m- most portfolio managers today, their their designed their mandate in terms of managing money is over the medium and long term perspective. We know that we've got we had incredible spike in volatility, but that provides opportunity for them as well. In addition to that, our our um, money manager able to speak with political policy makers to understand what direction different countries are going in from the perspective of their financial and their their medical uh, systems. What uh, we know the viruses are not new and and the question is we don't know is it's going to be a U-shaped recovery, a V-shaped recovery, or sort of a long U like a staple kind of recovery. And, uh, And then the goal in that process is to then identify what assets will lead the recovery. Where is it best to invest in? What countries, thinking globally, are going to lead the, lead this uh, recovery as well? And looking at opportunities within those areas to uh, in, enhance the return on our portfolio. But the one example is given was the U.S. mortgage assets. Um, the real estate business is strong with lower interest rates. There's a big spike in people renewing mortgages, so that whole industry is uh, is booming right now. Uh, another example was just looking at you know year to date. Uh, Costco is up 3%, as an example, and 30% over the last 12 months. So there are sectors that are uh, attractive at this point and others that have been beaten up. And, um, you know, they have the skills to, to position these investments properly. 
and in advance of um, 20, in, in 2018, I know that uh, many of our income fund managers, those at the bond side, began to stretch out or lengthen the duration of bonds to capture uh, increased returns from that. And they've done that through 2019 and 2020 and also increasing the quality of the types of bonds as well. So it, there, there is a lot going on behind the scenes and people's money is not at sleep. And, um, and this is why they get paid uh, an investment management fee. They are earning it today and uh, as they always do. But most importantly right now, the peace of mind that, uh, that it brings to know that there's somebody looking at this on an ongoing basis, I think, is, is so important to recognize. And, and that's really the biggest difference between passive investing and active investing. And what we're seeing now is you've been seeing a lot of commercials in the last little while. Quest Trade is the one that comes to mind where they're always talking about fees and, and what they're doing. That's, that's called passive investing where they're buying ETFs. So they're buying the whole market. And where they, like as Andy just mentioned, where we are in our stripes is when the managers are actively out there trying to find the best stocks to buy in the, sec- in the sectors that would do well. Costco is an example. Um, Domino's Pizza apparently is doing quite well. Mm. And uh, all the ones that s- will certainly do well as there's some social distancing going on. And I'm just very pleased that we offer and we pretty much only work with active investing. Because this is, again, like Andy said, this is where they earn their money more so. Because it's easy just to simply, when the whole market's going up, I would just buy the whole market. But right now, this is stock selection. You need to buy the right stocks or the right bonds, and you're actively managing. And so what it does, it doesn't mean necessarily that you won't experience the downturn. You'll experience less of the downturn, and you'll also get a a quicker rise on the upturn. And ultimately, you end up with a, a similar or higher rate of return, but with a lot less risk. You bring up a valid point in the sense that, um, uh, you know, we we do hear, especially during times like this, a lot of negative information and a lot about how much has been lost and how much the, the market has dropped. But there are winners and losers here. Some people are buying at this time. Would that be accurate? Well, there, I, there, was, there, was, there was a good example uh, a couple of days uh, this week about uh, Peloton. I don't know if people have heard of Peloton, but it's a... Uh, exercise bike. It's an exercise... Pardon me? The exercise yeah, bike. exercise bike, yes. It, it's an exercise bike, but you do it from home and uh, in front of a television screen, and you participate with a live group doing this. Their stock was up 7% in one day. So, <laughs> you know, there's an example of just these industries or, you know, asset investments that... Um, uh, that could lead the way in a, in a new recovery. So, no, it's a, it, it, absolutely interesting times, but at the end of the day, people are, is, there's always a buyer. So every time you see the market going down, there has to be a buyer. So there's somebody selling stocks and somebody's buying stocks. It just happens to be there's a lot more sellers when there's fear, and somebody's buying them. So you always wonder, who are, who's on the other side of that transaction? And I have to say, most times it's institutional money doing the buying, or mutual fund money doing the buying. The average uh, Joe Q public, if, if you will, are the ones that are generally the scared ones, and they're the ones selling. Um, so they're selling, and it's the institutions buying. So at the end of the day, the institutions will end up buying a lot of cheap shares. And I- when there is a turnaround... 
they, they benefit. It was interesting. I was watching one of the press conferences out of the United States in regard to their interest rate drop and such, and they made note that at this point they are purchasing oil reserves because it is so cheap in order mm. to keep the country uh, stabilized. They're buying when times are low, which seems, you know, you forget about that side of the economics working as well. Absolutely. So, no, it's uh, clients out there... Um, Basically, it's you're going to get statement shock um, come March when the statements come out again, and you're going to say, wow, or you just don't open them, which I, I have a lot of clients actually saying, you know what, I'm just not going to open this one. Yeah. And I said, good for you. Um, the, the worst thing you can be doing, and I do have a few clients out there, is they're online every day to see how much their investments have gone up or down. Yeah. And really what it is, it's a mood changer. It's either going to have a good day or a bad day based on the markets, and your mental health really isn't worth it because at yeah. the end of the day, this is long-term investing. Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking about uh, some of the strategies as well in terms of advising clients. And uh, we already talked about the one about switching your income payouts for your risks to the fixed income area. The other opportunity is rebalancing at this point. And um, in, in conversations with clients this week, we've had almost unanimously people that said, yes, you know what, our comfort level was... 50% stocks, 50% bonds, and now the stocks have fallen. We're at 45, 55. Let's sell some of the bonds and buy some of the stocks at this point. Uh, we don't know if this is the bottom. Uh, there is going to be ongoing uh, volatility, and it may even uh, ratchet up. Uh, but at the end of the day, this this will come to an end as all things will pass, as they say, and that. Uh, a couple of years from now, we'll be looking back at it and talking about what did we learn from it, and could we be more prepared the next time and how. So, How would this affect... Uh, sorry, Don, go ahead, and then I'll ask a question. Yeah, I was just going to say, everybody has probably seen some of those stock market charts that show all the different um, you know, crises that have gone on from you know, a Gulf War to Y2K and all these different blips, and every one of them, there's these downturns in the market. And they don't look that large... Or impactful. Um, in fact, it, it actually, a smart person says, "Well, I would just buy there." It's one thing to see this little blip on a chart, and one thing to experience your actual money going down. Mm. And at the end of the day, it's the exact same thing. We are now going through that blip period, and we're going to look back in a few years and say, "Okay, there's that downturn. Yeah, what was that again? Oh, yeah, COVID nineteen. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah, that was tough back then, wasn't it?" Um, at the end of the day, though, the market does continue. We've we got charts going back 200 years, and it's got everything in history that's taken place, and they always seemed massive at the time. And this time it's different, but it, when it's all said and done, capitalism takes over, things go by, and the, the markets start to go up again. So what should the average client uh, investor do at this point? Like, for example, tax season is coming up. So do you, do you just don't open the envelopes, just write it out? What should we be doing? Uh, tax season is coming. There's no doubt about it. I think the average person is, uh, is worried because they've heard about how much their investments have gone down. Uh, I think that if it's... Um, you know, it's funny, I was reading through, we, we have a test that we give to people to just to help us understand what is the vol- how much volatility is somebody comfortable with in their portfolio. And it asks, you know, if your portfolio went down by 50% or 40% or 30%, at what point would you feel uncomfortable? And in, in assessing that, somebody's portfolio, everybody's portfolio is typically aligned to their level of risk. And so... 
um, I was just as I was looking through that test with somebody that I did recently, they had agreed that a that a forty percent decline in the portfolio in within one year that they would be okay with that. And I said, well, we're we're only at minus uh, twenty three, so you've got you've got lots of room to go. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's easy to forget when you're answering, you know, you're thinking about your risk outside of this environment where you're hearing negative news, that um, you, in a rational time point, at a point where you're irrationally thinking, you felt it was reasonable to accept, say, a right. 30% decline in your portfolio. Well, here we are, and it's happening. Um, so it, it, it does test us, there's no doubt about it. Those that have been through it before can borrow back on their own experience and in fact they lived through it and it was better afterwards uh, but it's never easy when you're in it I understand and, and it's interesting that the other thing I do find with clients and particularly ones that are somewhat novice they extrapolate so when things are doing very well they say wow you know this is a good thing look at it. it's done 10% a year for the last five years so it and they just kind of connect the dots going forward it will do 10% a year and I always question that because I know the average has always been about 6% above inflation. So let's say that would be about 8%. So you know it's overperformed for, say, the last five years. So somewhere there's a reckoning and it will underperform to get back to the average. It usually gets to the mean. So when they extrapolate going up, that's one thing. That's the greed side of human nature. Mm -hmm. The opposite is happening right now. I had a client yesterday um, and said, okay, it's going down, but when will it go to zero? Mm. And so they're looking at the, the chart and saying, well, it just keeps going down. And, it, and based on extrapolation, it would go to zero. Well, you have to realize you are buying companies. You are buying actual assets. So you are owning Royal Bank. You are owning Apple Computer. You're owning Bell Canada, uh, BMW, what have you. You are owning these companies. And basically, for that line to get to zero, that meant every company went bankrupt across the world. And that's not likely to happen so and it's never happened before so hopefully that never does happen but at the end of the day you're owning real assets so it'd be like saying your house when does it go down to zero in value mm. and land was always worth something so the same idea with with this it doesn't keep going down it will turn around and it just and, it, and as Andy mentioned a v-shaped recovery which is a very quick recovery a u-shaped recovery it's just showing the line of of the recovery and the line means a u-shape is a little longer and uh, so that's really the difference between a V-shape and a U-shape recovery. And we were talking about, as I said, some strategies right now. I think rebalancing is something that people should look at. And, uh, you know, just giving an example, I'm looking at a report I did for a client in their tax-free savings plan. And this is a husband and wife. The husband uh, was a more aggressive, and he had an 80% equity, 20% fixed income mix. And the, his wife was 60-40. So in looking at hers, and most plans today, equity or TFSA plans are in the 80,000 know, range, something like that. It, her, hers was 57.43. So it was off by seven, uh, sorry, it was off by 3%. Mm -hmm. um, and that represented only $2,500 for her. And what is she, in looking at her portfolio, what would she be selling and what would she be buying? Well, uh, she had a health care fund. Well, that's up. So she's not selling that. Uh, her biggest uh, down position was, guess what? Natural resources, mm -hmm. right? And that's because oil has been hit strongly. And, um, you know, so the, the sense then is, you know, 
rational world, we should rebalance. We should be buying, selling a little bit of the healthcare right now, and buying some of uh, the natural resources right now. And, uh, and and more often than not, that will pay off. The eighty the eighty twenty portfolio was at uh, seventy eight twenty two, only off by two percent. Um, and uh, now, obviously, the stocks had run up quite a bit in the last year or two, but only fifteen hundred dollar change. But again, the big focus there mm. is shifting from fixed income and healthcare. Uh, into uh, global natural resources. We are planning your financial future. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get get back to you at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. Andy and Don out of the studio today because of uh, coronavirus and such as everything is closed down, but we're trying to keep this uh, all live and going as uh, we continue to offer uh, any advice we can. Uh, This, uh, obviously, today with a financial angle. Let me ask you this, guys. uh, With what we're experiencing with coronavirus and and, and what's happening and and things shutting down, any any chatter at this point about extending tax season or how this will affect us filing our income tax? Great question. Uh, This is great news. You never have to file taxes again. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, obviously, about this. Obviously, Andy (laughs) is. I didn't hear about this one, Andy. (laughs) Obviously, now Andy is developing a fever. He's not thinking straight. (laughs) That's right. No, actually, that's a great question because it was just announced that um, uh, that the the normal deadline of April thirtieth has been extended to June first. All right, to submit taxes. And uh, in addition to that, the deadline to pay off any outstanding balances interest-free will be extended to July 1st. Wow. So we've got quite a nice uh, little, a couple of months extra, a month extra for filing um, and, uh, and then two months extra for, uh, for making that payment. Will this, cost, will this cost government anything? Uh, I mean, obviously, this is, this is just going to have a rippling effect everywhere, isn't it? This is definitely costing the government money, um, and this is actually great money spent because this is money. This is things that are helping everybody, yeah. not simply one you know income level over another income level. Mm-hmm. Helps all citizens. Um, EI payments help all citizens. So, um, some you know I, I really like how proactive the government uh, government's approach has been on this, and Canada particularly. Uh, so this has been good. Now, from a personal portfolio. Um, there is some opportunities here. So if you had non-registered money, now this will not affect your 2019 taxes. Mm-hmm. And in fact, your 2019 taxes, you may have got some T3 or T5 slips showing that you got a capital gain dividend from your non-registered money. And let's say, and what a capital gain dividend is, is basically the fund manager was buying and selling shares. And let's say he made, he sold Bell Canada and bought TD Bank and he made money on the Bell Canada. So those, that profit he makes is called a capital gain, and that capital gain is, in, is then sent to all the shareholders of that mutual fund. So that's called a capital gain dividend. So you get this. It's kind of sneaky because you know that at the end of the year you never did anything, and you got this capital gain dividend showing up on your T5 slip. 
you think, oh, that isn't right. Well, here's a way you can get some of that back right now. If you have non-registered money, which is the case in this example, you can now move your money, whatever your limit is, to your TFSA and keep the same investment. So if it was a Canadian equity fund, well, if you did it today, there's a good chance it could have a capital loss. And that capital loss, you'd, you'd simply take that and buy another Canadian equity fund inside your TFSA, and you would trigger, it's basically selling one and then buying a different one. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing it in kind, you're buying different things, you're not moving the shares, and that triggers a loss. Well, by doing that loss, you uh, will use that loss against any capital gains. Well, you may not have any capital gains in 2020, but you do have the choice to go back three years. And you can come back and get those capital gains, the tax you paid on those capital gains from 2019 and 18 and 17. And then if you don't have any cap- enough capital gains in those three years, you can carry that loss indefinitely against future capital gains. So that ends up helping you for all those capital gain dividends that you'll have in those mutual funds. And it's a, you know, nobody likes losses, but in this case, you're really not losing because you're moving it sideways. And the nice part is when there's a recovery, all the recovery is inside the tax-free savings account. Hmm. And, that, and, and so you're going to get a, a nice, you know, t- um, jump in your portfolio, but it will be on the tax-free side and you'll never pay tax on that growth. Exactly. You know, you, you, you reminded me of, of, of a couple of questions that I had this week and specifically around losses and, uh, so, and it kind of makes sense, but people were saying, well, with my portfolio down 20%, is that something that I can write off on my taxes this year? And, uh, you know, do we somehow get to take advantage of this loss on our income tax forms? And uh, unfortunately, the answer is no. Uh, the only way you can take advantage of any loss is if you actually sell, as Don was mentioning, you actually have to sell a position and move it to something else. It's just on paper at this point, so there's no additional tax breaks for this uh, decline that we've seen in your portfolio. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. Andy and Don are with us uh, out of the studio this time uh, simply because of COVID-19 and everything restrictions and such around that uh the studios are closed so we're trying to make this happen and get you as much information as we uh possibly can on all of this uh obviously from a financial point of view today uh andy and don let me ask you what happens after this is over uh after everything's tanked and in the and it slowly starts to come back up will we see inflation will we see a mass rise in interest rates we were very concerned about this uh last recession not that this has been officially declared one as yet but what can we expect uh after the wave goes out will it come back in what would we expect as far as interest rates and inflation well i think uh i think inflation is dead uh, and, and most, when you think about, it, we heard a lot of discussion about the impact on supply chains. Can we, 
can manufacturers get stuff to actually make it if it's coming from China, etc. And I think the, the greatest disruption is going to be on our individual demands as we sort of uh, shelter in place or at home. You know, we're not spending money. We're not out there, um, you know, crunching or, or driving the economy. So that's going to have significant impact just in the short term, and particularly the next quarter, we know consumption is going to be way down. But inflation will probably be out of the picture for quite a while uh, until maybe two or three years down the road. Mm -hmm. And as far as interest rates, I think that we're continuing to see, we're going to continue to see a low interest rate environment until the government feels the economy is strengthening. And if that's if interest rates start to rise, you know we're in good shape because we're, uh, we're back on the right course. And, uh, and then, you know, diseases, the previous pandemics, I think there are certain things we can garner from that as well in terms of what's, what we might think of in the future. Yes, there's actually been, uh, you know, three major flu outbreaks going back in history. One was 1918, one was 1957, and one was 1968. And these were all labeled pandemics. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, AIDS was also a virus, but by definition, um, and it was also classified as a pandemic, but not on the same kind of contagious level. So, you know, they look at that and say so they all became global. There was actually three other ones that did not become global, and they threatened to become pandemics, and that was in uh, 1976, the swine flu, yeah. 77, the Russian flu, and 1997, the avian flu. Mm -hmm. And SARS, funny enough, um, I thought it was considered a pandemic, but it really went around south. Southeast Asia and Canada in 2002, and was never recognized as a pandemic. Mm. Um, and what has happened, say in 1957 with the avian flu, was the second most significant outbreak in recent history. But what happened is um, they, they were able to get a vaccine by, by late 57, and it, and it didn't make much of a splash. It did a lot in the UK. It didn't affect much in the U.S., I think we're not going to see that the case in this time. Mm -hmm. uh, bottom line, technology is at place. We do have, and we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. I know there's a lot of scientists working on it. I know McMaster, U of T, and Sunnybrook mm -hmm. Hospital made a great breakthrough just last week, and they're really working on this. But even then, it, it takes time to get this. But um, as far as the investments go, what happened was in 1957, the Standard & Poor's 500, the U.S. market, went up by 24% followed by 2.9% in 58. Um, in the UK, the equity markets fell by 5.8% in 1957, but then rose by 40% in 58. Um, again, this is why you geographically diversify, because, funny enough, it, it, the, this particular pandemic hurt the UK more, and so their markets were a lot more volatile than the US markets. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're in a lot more global situation than we were in the 50s. So at the end of the day... The markets do show uh, a panic. They do go down. And, and funny enough, they do often go down a lot during the year, but the year can still be positive. We're still talking right now as if it's going to be a negative year. Mm, good point. And 2009 was a, uh, as a great example. It was down, the market was down 30% that year. And it ended up 20% up. Mm. Okay. Um, by the time, so actually it was the other way around. It was down 20% by March 9th, and it went back up 30%. So anybody that sold, um, say, on, the, on March 9th, they, they, they end up missing all yeah. the growth. And that's, a, that's an opportunity cost of 50% because they didn't, they didn't end up getting the growth. And even if you bought January 1st, 
you still end up with a positive return in spite of the big negative that happened during the short term. So I'm not saying, and I, we don't certainly have no crystal ball, but this year is far from over. We're in, uh, we're in really the first period of a three-period hockey game right now, hmm. and the second period is about to start, and you never know uh, science could intervene, find, a, find some type of vaccine. Some good news would really help. And next thing you know, bang, the market goes up 40% in just as fast as it goes down. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They will return your call and calm your fears. Uh, Andyanddon.com as well to check out the website. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, helping make this work. We greatly appreciate it. Anytime, Scott. No problem, Scott. Thank you. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.